of the night in the middle of your trouble in the morning in the evening it doesn't matter what time it is it's always a good time to raise a hallelujah hallelujah oh hallelujah hallelujah oh Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, praise team. What a great spirit I feel in this place right now. I have a limited amount of time, and so I don't want to waste it, but we're extremely thankful for all of you that are here, all of our fathers. We bless you, and uh, we pray that you will be honored today, uh, all of our men. And uh, we have a special gift for you after service in the foyer. Please stop by the table and give us an opportunity to shake your hand and thank you for being a father and a leader and a man and a witness and a light and just just being here. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. Praise God. It's it's Father's Day and uh, there's so many things that could be said. I I was here worshiping a little while ago and I, I felt something was wrong I didn't I thought it was with me and, and so I, uh, I I started trying to figure out did I not pray or did I not do something right and then I realized that the hero of our family was not here today we're thankful for my father-in-law and all of, that he gave and I miss him dearly today I know my wife does many of you your father is not here as well. We we honor their memory. But it's a great day. I hope you can smile a little bit. I hope you can rejoice a little bit. And then when it's all said and done, I pray they'll take you to eat somewhere and you don't have to pay the tab. Amen. One father quipped. He said, just one Father's Day, I wish my kids would give me a number one dad mug instead of one of my actual ranking. Happy Father's Day. One girl said to her dad, I wouldn't trade you for anything. P.S. So far, nobody's made any offers. (laughs) Oh, yes. Coffee mugs that you should never give to your dad. Almost Father of the Year. One of the better fathers. Oh, my. I'd like to give my father what he really wants for Father's Day. One child quit, but I can't afford to move out. Somebody said, hallelujah. (laughs) We laugh a little bit, but fatherhood and manhood is not a laughing matter by any means, and it's not a joke. And I want to talk to you today about things that I feel are important. And so, uh, please open your heart with me. Uh, there's a constant attack against what you represent as a man in our world. And I understand that. Daily bombarded uh, with 
images that are not correct and inaccurate view of what manhood is. But I want to give you some encouragement today and I want to give you something to work for. And for our text, I want to go with you to the book of 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament, the 12th chapter. I'm going to read beginning with verse 1 and really... I would love it if we had time to go through verse 30, but you don't and I don't either. So we're just going to read a few verses and skip through. But I want you to understand the context of this passage. First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 1, it begins like this. Now these are they that came to David and Ziklag while he yet kept himself close because of Saul the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. They were armed with bows, could use both the right hand and the left hand in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow. They were even of Saul's brethren, of Benjamin. You see, just because your genes are one thing doesn't mean what your identity needs to be. They were of Saul's household, but they were connected to David. And then he goes into a list of names, and I don't have the time or the proper education to speak some of those names, and so I'll let you stumble over them yourself. But I want to go down after it mentions all of them. It mentions characteristics of these men that had gathered themselves among David's chosen men. In verse number 30, I want to conclude And it said, and of the children of Ephraim, 20,000 and 800 mighty men of valor, famous throughout the house of their fathers. And of the children of Ephraim, 20,000 and 800 mighty men of valor, valor, courage, famous throughout the house of their fathers. There is a version or translation of that passage, and the last portion of it reads like this. They were famous men in their own families. I want to talk to you men today for a few moments about how to be famous where it really matters. How to be famous where it really counts. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our text is an observation made concerning a group of men and... This group of men has stirred my imagination over the last few weeks. The setting of our text chronicles the scripture 
of the time in which David was joined by a host of people that wanted to be identified with what he represented. The identifying marks of these mighty men were numerous. Their character was notable and their attributes were noteworthy. They are referred to as mighty men, strong, valiant, upright, excelling. One translation says the word mighty is rendered heroes. They were heroes where it really counts in being a hero. They were soldiers of the first rank. Warriors, able men, men of courage, they were ready armed, they were expert in war. The Bible later on in this passage speaks of them as not being of a double heart. Men who could keep rank, they knew how to march in Order. They knew how to receive orders. They knew how to give orders. They knew how to follow orders. They were swift as the deer and their faces were like lions. They were determined. They were uh, filled with a tenacity that would not be discouraged. They understood the times, the scripture says. They were sensitive to the moment in which they lived. They stood in the breach. They lived, they, they led in battle and they were in the forefront. They were not following just David, but they were in the forefront of the battle. They served him because they loved him. And the Bible said most importantly, they were famous in their own family. Of all the places and people that I want to be famous in, I want to be famous in what really matters, and that is my family and among my children. Of all the places that you as a man ought to want to excel is within the family unit in which you live. So what if others applaud you? So what if others give you all kinds of accolades? If I am a failure in my family, then none of that matters because the real joy that comes in life does not come from those that are just associated with me, but those who are truly connected to me by family ties. Amen. Men sell their souls every day to be the hero of the moment. They sell their soul to be the hero of the game or the hero of the team or the hero of the company. But they never worry about where being a hero really counts and that's at home and in the family. I am not saying that men should not pursue excellence in all of these places But I am saying of all the places where you should be respected and revered, it ought to be within your family first 
and foremost. And all of the people said, Amen. You don't have to be perfect to do that. You don't have to do a lot to be that way. All you really have to do is just do what God has called you to do. What I'm talking about this morning is not a mistake-free life. Because all of us make mistakes. Mistakes are part of life. You don't have to be Superman. Just be the man God created you to be. I want to say that again to all of our men and young men. You don't have to be Superman. Just be the man that God called you to be. And somebody said amen. You don't even have to be perfect. Just be present. You don't have to be flawless. Just be faithful. Don't let your mistakes define you. And don't let them limit you. You see, men, your flaws are a part of who you are. And God knew that when he called you and filled you with his spirit. So if it didn't stop God from filling you with the Holy Ghost, don't let it stop you from doing what the Holy Ghost has commissioned you to do. And that's to be the man that God created you and designed you to be. Amen. Don't let anything sabotage that purpose. What God has purposed for you. Simply be what God created you to be. I want to talk to you a little while about how to be famous in your own family and in your own home. You see, many things according to the world define masculinity. Most have to do with physical strength, sexual prowess, monetary accomplishments, or positions of power. And what you and I learn from the world is perverted and corrupted and distorted and warped from what God called you and I to be. They offer a flawed and distorted and twisted and obsessed and greedy and domineering and feminine version of an image that God created in His likeness. What they have not been able to understand is that lost humanity or lost masculinity, I should say, cannot be recaptured by a pill or a powder or a supplement. It is only found when you go back to the very beginning and you listen to what God had to say about you and who you are. Amen. When men look at the world and the culture and the workplace for a definition of their manhood, it will always be wrong. Because the only one that can give us a true understanding of who we should be is the one that made us. Amen. He created you to be what you are. And the Bible is the only clear place to get a clear and viable picture of what I am and what you are as a man. And the scriptural expressions of man are expressive and revealing. And when you go to the Old Testament, you will often read the word man, but in the Hebrew text, 
They are oftentimes different words that are used to describe what God was talking about. The first word that you will bump into if you study the Hebrew text is that God called man Adam. Adam, it means red earth or earthly. It speaks of man's humanity, but it also speaks of God's creation in his own image and in his own likeness. I want every man and every young man to understand this morning that you were created by God. And don't let anything else in this world change that definition of who you are. You are God made. Don't ever be satisfied with anything less than that. Don't ever forget your God image. Don't ever let the world reshape that image. If you look to the world in which we live, you will see something that is pathetic. And you will see something that is inept. But when you look to God, you will see that you were created in His likeness and in His image. And though there are some things about early creation and the garden that were lost... There's one thing that was never lost, and that was the stamp of God's image or His likeness in your soul. And you can never get away from that fact that you were created by God to be like Him in many ways and have His character and His spirit and to gain knowledge and understanding and never let the world dumb you down from that proposal. Amen. I am God made. Amen. That's the best kind of making. God made. Don't let the world try to make you because they will try to remake you. When God used the word Adam, he was speaking of man in his protective nature. He was given dominion. He was given authority. Over the garden. There were two things that he was responsible for. He was to be the janitor of the garden. And he was to be the guard and the protector of that garden. Listen to me men. Your responsibility in the family and in the home. Is to keep it clean. And to protect it from anything that would try to take away from what God ordered it to be. Somebody said, Amen. Your purpose is dominion, not to be ruled, but to rule. Your identity is to reflect Him. And your reflection what uh, of what God has created you to be can never be dimmed by any other kind of thought. The other word that God used in Scripture is the word ish, I-S-H. It speaks of man's identity In contrast to the woman, God created you a man. Now, I don't want to get too plain with you this morning, but don't ever let the world convince you that you could be something else other than that. There should be no question in your mind about your gender identity. And there should never be a question 
in your mind about who you should be attracted to. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Don't ever forget that. And don't let the world dumb you down and make you think that you can embrace that kind of thinking and you're okay with God. I'm telling you, God created you to be what you are. Be that man that God called you to be. And somebody said, Amen, 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 Amen. You don't have to apologize for your manliness. God didn't create you to be a woman. He didn't create you to be a feminine. Amen. They're the delicate ones. We're the clumsy ones. Amen. At least sometimes it appears that way. They're the smart ones, we're the dumb ones. At least that's what they think. I don't want to go much deeper in that. You listen to me, men. I need to say it. Don't let the world you live in rewrite your identity. Don't let it rewrite your internal makeup. I don't care what you war with in your mind. At the end of the day, you better wrestle those thoughts down and bring them into submission to what this book says, not what your culture says. And stop embracing things that effeminize you as a man and stand up and be what God called you to be. Be a man and stand as you were created as a man of God. Amen. The word that God used again when he described man was geber. And I'm not sure that's a proper pronunciation, but in the Hebrew it's G-E-B-E-R. It refers to man in his strength or in his ability. God made you as a protector. God made you as a warrior. Don't ever abuse that and don't ever use that to hurt other people. But God did create you to be a protector of your family. Don't leave that job to a television. Don't leave that job to a nursery. Don't leave that job to a school. Don't leave that job to a teacher. Stand up and be what God called you to be. Be the leader of your family. Be the one first at the altar. Be the one first to pray. Be the one first to worship. Be the one first to give. Come on, I need some men in this building, not just women to be standing. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. God didn't make you a loser and he didn't make you a quitter. Get those words out of your vocabulary. Quit making excuses. Being a man's tough. I understand that. We have a lot of people pointing out our flaws and our, ex- our shortcomings. 
But be that as it may, at the end of the day, God didn't quit. He, he didn't create you to stop. He didn't create you to give up. He made you to stand. He made you to fight. He made you to last. He made you to overcome. He made you to have dominion. He made you to be an authority. Stand up in your life and claim that authority. Not in a domineering way, but in a way that will lead a family in the right direction. Man, too many men in our culture have have relinquished that that authority that God put over them, not to be domineering and not to be cruel and mean, but just to be a leader. And they're relinquishing, well, that's what my wife does. If your wife is doing that, you and me need to have a serious heart-to-heart altar talk. And if you're misusing that and you're abusing that, we really need to have a talk. He didn't create you to be mean. He created you to lead. He didn't create you to be harsh. He created you to be loving. Loving enough that you'll do whatever you have to do to protect your family and not allow any kind of dirt to come in or any kind of clutter to mess up what God created. You need to rise up and say, you know what? If that's what God thinks about me, then that's what I need to start living into. Amen. I'm closing. How to be a hero in your family is to identify with the right things. Do you remember the first verse, second verse of First Chronicles 12? It speaks of men who were of the lineage of Saul, but they identified with David. Saul and David are two drastically different men in spiritual character. One of them was an excuse maker. One of them, by the name of Saul had every natural ability to do what needed to be done. But he didn't have any backbone and he didn't have any submission in his life and he didn't have any rule over him. And so you watch him as he invades places he shouldn't be and usurps authority in places where he shouldn't do. And then he excuses his actions and blames it on the people. And so they were connected to David. I don't care where you were born. I don't care what your genes were or what they are. Your dad could be an alcoholic and a loser. That doesn't mean you got to be an alcoholic and a loser. Because we read about and we prayed about and we worship the father of all fathers. If you need an image to follow, just get in this book and read what this book says about what a father ought to be. And embrace that. Embrace that and say, that's what I'm going to model my life after. That's what I want to be identified with. Number two, if you want to be a hero in your family, develop character. Don't just be one. I'll let you interpret that one any way you want to. Number three, remember that you're not just matter. You matter. Matter. 
quit excusing behavior that is not appropriate as well. You know, just being a man. There is a side of man that needs to be conquered. It needs to be brought to an altar. And I should never use that as an excuse for ill behavior. Number four. If you want to be a hero and you want to be famous in your family, get rid of all the distractions in your life. Get focused on what really matters. The Bible said these men had one heart, one desire, one focus, one thought in their mind. We just want to follow the king. Amen. There's too many distractions in life. And they are not distractions to evil. Listen to me, men. What most of you are struggling with today are distractions of the secondary. Things that have importance, but they're not the important thing. They're not critical matters. We're cheated by the lesser gods that we create. Number five, learn how to adapt to life's eventualities. The Bible said of these men that they could do it with the left hand or the right hand. Now that's that's pretty awesome if you ask me. They were ambidextrous. That simply means that there were times in their life when the enemy came at them from a direction they weren't expecting and they had to learn how to be skillful enough that even when it come from an unexpected source, they knew how to defend themselves. You as men need to develop that same ability because the enemy is not always going to come through your front door. Some of you got a bat up there right now. You got a shotgun by the front door. You got a gun loaded by the bed, but you don't have anything at the back door. Or you leave a window open or unlocked. And that's how the enemy usually gets in. He doesn't come in the ways that we expect him to come in. He comes slithering into our life with all of the right things to say and the things that appeal to us. We need to be able to develop a skill in life that will make us able to adjust to whatever matter. Whichever way the enemy comes from, he's going to get it when he comes. Amen. Quit being sucker punched because you weren't looking for it. Develop the skill of making adjustments in life so that things will work the way God wanted them to work. Don't just be smart. Be sensitive. Amen. The Bible said that they were some in that group of men who had knowledge of the time. They were sensitive to the atmosphere in which they lived. They were not just clumsily going through life like a, like a bear in a china closet, but they were carefully moving because they were aware they were in enemy territory and anything could happen at any time. And so they were sensitive. They were alert. They were, they were cognizant of the times in which which they were living, and that sensitivity is what saved them. I'm here to tell you, men, sensitivity is not a feminine attribute. It is a spiritual quality that you and I need to develop in our life. 
that wherever we are, we're on guard and we're aware that we are in enemy territory and we've not made it yet. And I don't want anything to interfere with me getting to where I'm going. You want to be a hero? You don't want to be famous? Why don't you start in your family? And the way you'll be a hero and famous in your family is to go back to the book and start reading again what God says about you. You're God called. You're God created. You're God ordered. You're God ordained. Don't ever apologize for that. Work on making it better. But don't ever make excuses. Let God develop that into what He desires you to be. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. To every man, every father in this building, I I hope my words did not come across too harsh, but I've never felt more passion in my spirit than I feel this morning about where we are as a culture and a society. We need to let the world know who we are. We're men of God. We're men created by God. We're men ordered by God. We're men led by God. We're men directed by the Holy Ghost. And we're going to be the kind of example and witness that God wants us to be. Because of all places, you need to be famous. Of all places, you need to be famous. It needs to be in your home, with your family, among your children, among your brothers and sisters. Some of you aren't married. Some of you aren't even close to being married. You can still be famous in your family. Live the right life. Don't ever submit yourself to anything lower. Amen. Don't let the world rewrite your makeup, your image. Bear it as a badge of honor. I was created by God. I want to be a man of God. Anybody here want to be, any of you men, young men, you want to be a man of God? Would you just lift your hands with me right now? Come on. All over the building, every man, every young man in this building, would you lift your hand right now? And I want you just to ask the Lord to help you. I want you to ask the Lord to minister to your mind and your spirit and help you embrace what He has said about you, what He has called you to be, what He has ordered your steps to be. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus.